0: She just found she could make more money taking her clothes off in movies. What does that say about academia, huh? Radio Drome Welcome to what might be the most misogynistic episode of Radio Drome ever recorded. I am Josh Hadley. With me as always is Cecil T Robot. Yes, I'm here. He is. Peter the the laughing Mickininny, which I don't even know what that is, but it's what Peter is this week.
1: Laughing and Mickininnying, it's sickening, it's pissing, and I'm here.
0: And joining us for this topic, because this is a topic that he wanted in on, is the Frederick the Fritz.
2: Greetings and salutations.
0: And he is the most upstanding member of this cabal. Yeah, Yeah, sure. Yeah.
2: You could could testify at my next hearing.
0: If you guys want to help out the show, you want to get a little something for yourself, especially given the topic tonight, you go to adamandeve.com. Use the promo code DROME when you check out. And there you'll be able to get 50% off of a single item, three free DVDs, a free sex swing, and free U.S. shipping, all for using the promo code DROME at adamandeve.com. And also... If you want to look for some of the movies we're going to be discussing tonight, because some of them are pretty damn obscure, you go to 1201beyond.com backslash dromevpn. That will bring you to Nord's site. And with NordVPN, they will help you encode your data, they will help you protect your data, they will guard you in some of the shadier parts of the internet, they'll help you get around region locking. If you go through 1201beyond.com backslash dromevpn, you'll be able to get 75% off of a three-year plan. That's only $3.79 a month for Nord's protection. So get Nord, you need the digital condom that is NordVPN. So tonight, let's talk about Scream Queens. In the modern age, I think Scream Queens have sort of lost, the the meaning has been lost, but we're all older, we grew up when Scream Queens meant something. Now it's just a crappy Fox show that nobody watches and nobody likes. But when we were growing up, a Scream Queen was something special. What does a Scream Queen mean to you? Well this is a
2: obviously this is something we'll probably discuss the the definition who qualifies things of that nature and there's of course the the narrow version which probably is the most accurate and then there's the broader all women through horror movies yada yada. I think for me though growing up in the 80s the scream queens were a particular group of women that were not only part of horror, but popularized horror as well. They became integral. And I think whether you go with the broader or narrow definition, one thing I personally believe is to be a true scream queen, you have to be some a character that... Is affected by the story and also affects the story. You're you're part of the narrative. It's not just you're there thinking about scream queens on the definition level. And it made me think of Bond girls and how broad a Bond girl seems to be. It's like you you were in a Bond film and you were a woman. You're a Bond girl. To me, that's too broad. That's too that's anybody. To me, it's got to be. You've got to be Ursula Andress, you've got to be Carolyn Buckett from Fear Eyes Only, you have to be Agent Triple X uh, from The Spy Who Loved Me. Those are Bond girls, not just someone who appeared in the background for two minutes. you got to be part of the story, be affected by it and affect it. And in the 80s, you saw this rise of horror films, and they were generally females that were the protagonist it was it was kind of cool and it's weird that today we we still sort of look negatively on that as if women were being attacked when they were always the heroes that's that's still a narrative that's being passed around today
1: mm-hmm. and
2: screen queens were positive it was a it was a positive thing so that's as best as i can encaps- encapsulate it
1: because there are a lot of different qualifications like there are some instances where you could be in like one horror movie or like one high sort of high profile horror film like with what like with what happened with uh adrian king friday the 13th part one the the very first movie she's considered a scream queen and she was only in like the one jason movie and a little bit at the beginning of the of the second one and then obviously you've got the sort of regulars that would show up throughout the 70s the 80s and the 90s nev campbell would be considered one for what she did in scream you've got linnea quigley for just all the different movies that, that she showed up in, you know, the Return of the Living Deads and the, the Slimeball Bolaramas and the just all sorts of all sorts of movies, the Return of the Living Deads that she would show up in. Linda Blair obviously became a, a massive scream queen in her own right. And we we can't skip over Jamie Lee Curtis. Obviously, she is, is very much up there as far as what you would qualify as a scream queen. But to, to me, it's definitely somebody who... Made an impact on the movie that that they were in, in the genre that they that they partook in, and I do think that there is definitely that sort of regular group of women that would show up in these kind of films, and they would be they would be the standout characters. They were definitely good at screaming, like you don't get called a scream queen for nothing. And actually, the the first time I had ever discovered Linnea Quigley was in the first Guyver movie, when there's that one scene where the the zonoid jumps over the the wall and it's Linnea Quigley shooting a movie and she's like you stepped over my scream and i found that that bit so much funnier later on when i discovered that she was a scream queen like that's that's the bit they were going for and, and i i think it's it, it really is a great thing and it really is something that contributes so much to the horror genre because it just shows how much horror has been including women in in the years like it's a very it's a very important genre for not only women that are sort of that, that stay there and sort of make a name for themselves there, but also, a- a lot of a lot of women have their starts in horror films and, and become established in horror films. Like that's obviously what happened with with the likes of of like Jamie Lee Curtis and and people like that. So I, I really think it's it's a it's a great thing. Scream Queens to me,
3: I feel, are um, women that have been in variety of horror films because there's been a lot of times where they'll throw the Scream Queen label around and it's on somebody who's been in like one horror film. And the only time I really think that that works is maybe if they got their like if that was their first role, and then they went on to do other stuff, but they really are passionate about that first movie that they did. They don't badmouth it or whatever, because I've seen a lot of times where you'll get an actress who will start in a horror movie, move on and win an Oscar, and then be like, oh, I did that movie. Jennifer Aniston. Yeah, it was so beneath her. That's really frustrating, because it's like, you wouldn't be where you are now if you didn't do that, so embrace that. Enjoy the fact that you were in that movie that you're so hateful of. In general, Linnea Quigley's, the Barbara Crampton's, Debbie Roshan's, the actresses who've been in a variety of horror films, more often than not, are a hero in some capacity or are a really good victim. They also have... Great pipes. They can get a scream out there that is just, holy crap. If they are a beloved character that is either a hero or, you know, a sadly a victim, they have a great scream, and they're a memorable character. Everyone remembers Trash from Return of the Living Dead and she ends up beco- you know, becoming a victim in essence becomes one of the most memorable characters in the entire film that is a really big deal you've got Barbara Crampton who in uh, re- re- Reanimator and from beyond and now she's come back into horror and is doing all these modern horror films and it's just fantastic important part of the genre much like the final girl a lot of times you have a scream queen that is also the final girl so it's showing how this is a very important thing and shouldn't be snubbed at shouldn't have you know people who are outside of the genre kind of turning their nose up oh she's a scream queen well that's a label that a lot of them wear with pride
0: see the way i look at it is to me jamie lee curtis and judith o'day people like that might be scream queens but to me a scream queen is that low budget direct to video it's The Brink Stevenses, it's the Michelle Bowers, the Melissa Moores, the Linnea Quigleys, that kind of thing. That, to me, is a scream queen, is that sort of direct-to-video, small niche. I'm not saying it can't be mainstream, because you'd have Linnea Quigley at the same time she's doing Witch Trap, She's doing Return of the Living Dead. One is direct to video and maybe going to be seen by a few hundred people. One is a mainstream theatrical release. When I think of Scream Queens, it's not demeaning either side. But when I think of a scream queen, I don't think of Jamie Lee Curtis. I don't think of Nev Campbell. I don't think of Jessica Biel. I don't think of the mainstream actors. I think of that low-budget direct-to-video style. You know, like a trauma movie, an empire film, a full moon movie, some direct-to-video thing made by Ted Newsom or David Dakota. That is a scream queen to me. Maybe my definition is
1: too narrow the Barbara Cramptons and the Linnea Quigleys of the world basically
0: sort of yeah because a scream queen (laughs) would would technically be defined as an attractive young damsel in distress character who turns out to be the hero Or as Lloyd Kaufman put it, that a scream queen is, quote, more than just crying and having ketchup thrown on you. You not only have to be attractive, but you also have to have a big brain. You have to be frightened. You have to be sad. You have to be romantic. Unquote. Or Debbie Rashawn, the way she put it is, Quote, a true scream queen isn't the perfect woman. She's sexy, seductive, but most importantly, attainable to the average guy, or so it would seem. The later scream queens only showcase women worrying about something other than a guy, unless said guy is the one trying to kill them. Unquote. It seems like there's not a definition of what a Scream Queen is. There's multiple, because even if you go back through history, a lot of people think the very first Scream Queen would be Fay Ray in King Kong. That wouldn't fit the definition of what we're talking about. Same thing with Janet Leigh in in Psycho, or Judith O'Day in Night of the Living Dead. They've both been called Scream Queens, and... I don't think that really applies in that case. I think this is really, while it 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 goes to a 70s place. You know, you could say D. Wallace in Hills Have Eyes. You, you could you could say Marilyn Burns in Texas Chainsaw Massacre were Scream Queens.
1: I don't think it truly applies until you get to the eighties. The women in like Russ Meyer films or or films like Faster Pussycat Kill Kill. Like I think that was that was the first time we were really seeing the template for what we would later see in the 80s
2: yeah it it feels like it's a disservice though to the problem is is that again the, the definition definitely came out of the 80s and when i was growing up the term i heard when i first heard it it wasn't scream queens it was a scream queen and they were referring to jamie lee curtis she was like in her third horror movie and they were saying in a derogatory way she was becoming the scream queen of horror cinema it was more of a derogatory thing when you had the rise of what arguably, and I think most would agree, the the, the term becoming cemented was Brink-Stevens, Linnea Quigley, and Michelle Bauer. That's mm. when it got cemented that's like fangoria was like screen queens this is great you know
0: (laughs) and
2: (laughs) it became a badge of honor as opposed to something derogatory if people want to open it up i mean i have no problem with it personally if you want to say it was just a particular era because that's the era it came from well you know fine But we still use, I can't think of any off the top of my head, but I mean, we still use a lot of terminology from old movies that was only part of that particular ingenue, you know, or something. I don't think the period necessarily defines it. It's just a matter of knowing your history, knowing where it starts. Also, I found it interesting. I didn't catch that quote from Debbie Rashan because I have a note here. Scream queens are generally, and I wrote this down, average women appealing to less than average looking men. And that <laughs> is interesting that Debbie Rashan said that because I do feel that is a component in this. Like these are, I mean, it's arguable if they're average-looking women, but they're not like these goddesses that Hollywood portrays. You know, most of those people don't really look like that. That's, you know, ludicrous amounts of training right before the movie starts. It's the best makeup. It's the best lighting. Whereas the Scream Queens looked more like what we might call the girl next door. So I found that kind of interesting that she uh, grabbed onto that one herself.
3: That's really funny because, uh, for, for me personally... I like a lot of the girl next door types uh, because they're so much more naturally beautiful. Like if you look at a lot, like look at Barbara Crampton, Barbara Crampton was gorgeous in reanimator and she's gorgeous now. Like you look at some of the old uh, like starlets from that, uh, that same era and they're like, Old women now And they don't they, they
1: just all Botox They're, they're all, all like Overly and done they, up and everything it,
3: Exactly And it's like Because they put themselves Through so much To just be this You know Stunning thing But they just look like A big pile of plastic And now they're older And it's just They don't look natural They don't look They're not aging gracefully It's kind of funny That she would say uh, Debbie Roshan Would say that Because I mean I was madly in love With her in Romeo <laughs> and Juliet At the time Was exactly the kind of girl that I like, she had you know tattoos and, and piercings, and yeah, that was very, very 90s look. Now she's still very pretty, but you know, obviously, I mean, all the tattoos and all that were fake. She was somebody who I would not put in an average container. I wouldn't, I would say she was very beautiful and is still very beautiful, but it's just funny that uh, there are some of them that I would say I, I wouldn't say average, but I would say again, like you know, girl next door are normal women who are appealing to average or below average guys. But a lot of times, a lot of the below average guys do tend to focus on some of the really ridiculously unattainable Scarlett Johansson types.
1: Oh, they do, don't they? It's true. Yeah,
3: you know, oh, well I want that, you know, and it's like, eh, that's like, you know, you're you're if you're Ryan Reynolds, you're going to get that.
0: <laughs> Let's talk about the big 3 because when we talk about Scream Queens, like I said, there's Melissa Moore, there's Elizabeth Elizabeth Kataines, things like that. Debbie Rashawn, who I've never heard a negative story about. I've heard she is just so nice in real life that that, that what she portrays in interviews is real. She's sweet, she's awesome when we talk about Scream Queens in the era that we're talking about, there are, there's what's called the big three. There's Linnea Quigley, Michelle Bauer and Brink Stevens. Those are the ones who were the most famous out of all of these girls. So let's look at each one of them individually. Linnea got her start before everybody else, so we'll start with Linnea Quigley. Her first film was 1975's Psycho from Texas, where she was mm. a barmaid and she immediately takes her clothes off and gets and gets attacked with beer. And you know, then she would do these little bit parts here and there. She was, you know, first victim. Victim in movies, or she was background girl in movies, and then she finally got her what I'll call break in 1984, Savage Streets with Linda Blair, where she got the very unfortunate role of the Oh my god, because when you watch Savage Streets, when you see her character the first time, all you say to yourself is, oh man, something really bad's gonna happen to this very sweet character she's playing.
1: This sweet little little mute uh, something awful is gonna happen
0: exactly you're just like oh something's really bad something bad's gonna happen here that i think cemented her as an actress and then she would go on later that year silent i deadly night and from there it was just all scream queen
3: doesn't she get beated like beat by uh ramrod in savage streets she, she, yeah she, what, she, she, gets, oh, she gets like gang raped. she
0: gets gang raped and then be- and then beaten into a coma yeah <laughs> It's, it's so, really just That movie rough. is so brutal. <laughs> it it's is. it has been a
3: really long time since I've seen it. First time I saw
0: Lena Quigley was uh, Silent
3: Night, Deadly Night.
0: What's funny is in Savage Streets, technically Brink Stevens is in that movie too. She's one of the uncredited background girls in the shower fight scene where Linda Blair and the other girls get into the fight where they're naked. One of the girls in the background is Brink Stevens, uncredited. Oh, that's right. So technically Brink is in that movie too, but you won't even see her. Oh. can
2: i just say when i was looking up the credits for these uh, actresses i found it hysterical that there were endless uncredited 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 and you were like okay that just means background boobies you just right. you just know that's exactly what that means and you just look at each of their lists and they're just a long list of uncredited uncredited yeah shower yeah, yeah girl, in,
3: girl in shower with boobies. N- n- well, not Rick in every Stevens case. is in
2: naked gun. Yeah. She's in you know when the, the globe is spinning and it goes through the girl shower room, she's one of them. And that was typical for them.
0: Wow. I, I I think the one that made me the most go, Oh wow, I'm not used to seeing her with her clothes on in a role like this was Cheech and Chong's nice dreams. Remember where they're in the Chinese restaurant and they're talking about building Cholo Land? The band that comes in, the punk band that comes in, that's Linnea Quigley's real-life punk band, The Skirts. And so Linnea Quigley is just a background extra in a Cheech and Chong movie. And I thought, oh, wow, she actually got an uncredited role with her top on.
3: Well, she also kept her clothes on in uh, Sorority Babes and the Slime Bola rama And I mean, and that's where everybody else got naked
0: and she got to play. the. She's not a good guy, but she got to play the 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 hero, the hero in quotes, because she was a burglar. But, you know,
3: but she was fighting a worse guy is the thing. So she was kind of the the pitch black Vin Diesel. You know, she was the she was the bad guy who was fighting a worse guy. Would you think is Kim McCamey? scream queen
0: I would say before she started doing porn Kimmy McCammy would be a scream queen because all she did prior to her porn career was horror movies and then she became Ashlyn gear
3: and then she. well it's she might be as far as I know in every in every horror movie that I saw her in she always kept her clothes on she's one of the rare ones who kept her clothes on as a scream queen and then got into porn and then well you know (laughs) it's kind of a requirement
0: when it comes to Linnea Quigley do you go for her more mainstream-y kind of stuff like Silent Night Deadly Night Savage Streets etc or the Sorority Babes in the Slimeball ballorama, Creepazoids Witch Trap kind of thing
2: well I guess uh, I, I do have an answer but I guess this is where uh, my confession that we're going into the territory of a lot of films that were not particularly my bag there's a select few and with Linnea I think it's easy to say she had the i wouldn't say she had the more legitimate career that would not be correct but i would say she had the more high profile career she's had roles in more higher profile horror films obviously return of the living dead if she's ever remembered for anything it's probably going to be as trash from that one
0: dancing on a tombstone Uh, uh, naked to ssq is pretty memorable
2: yeah i think she and she knows it too And the other two don't quite have that. They don't have that one defining film. We talked about that with some actors, uh, character actors in the past, that you almost need that one defining film that kind of puts you in people's minds. And I think for her, she'll always have that. And she's got Night of the Demons, which is a character I think a lot of people remember more for a prosthetic than necessarily for her. But uh, she's the one with the famous uh, lipstick scene. So it's it's difficult for me because I'm not necessarily the biggest fan of these groups of films that we're going to begin to slide into past the 85 arena. Uh, Return of the Living Dead, yes, of course. Come on, that's that's a classic. And even Night of the Demons is is Actually, a very good movie. Then I'm going to break Patar's heart. Savage Streets is not one of my favorites. I remember it. I remember her. Uh, I remember the sequence. But if it's about m- when I first noticed her, because I had seen Cheech and Chong movies, and they're before Return of the Living Dead. I had seen her. It wasn't like she caught my eye. It was definitely Return of the Living Dead that I first said oh, who is this? And then I would hear, oh, this is this actress, Linnea Quigley, and she's been in this, this, this. And I'm oh, and I pieced it together from there. I had seen a lot more of hers than I had known, but I never singled her out as necessarily uh, something special at the time.
3: I love Linnea Quigley. She's been in some fairly larger films. She's been in a cavalcade of tiny, no-budget films, a lot of them with um, David Decoto. And she's always seemed like a very sweet, person, heard a lot of nice things about her, um, and she's always seemed very genuine. She's always kind of uh, embraced the Scream Queen label. And I've sat through some terrible movies that she's been in. And it was always, it was never terrible because of her. It was always terrible because they were trying too hard. There was one I saw a couple years ago where essentially it it seemed like, hey, we've got this really terrible film, but we managed to land Linnea Quigley, so we're going to put her in it in this little cameo role and kind of promote the hell out of her being in it. But I've always really enjoyed her, I think. Going back to Sorority Babes and Slide. Mola I've always I thought she was just uh, awesome in that (laughs) I don't want to say great but she had you know Silent Night Deadly Night she basically showed up got naked and then got stuck to a wall is amazing probably her her biggest role and as Fred had said in Return of the Living Dead completely memorable and just a fantastic character and I've always liked her I've I'm always happy when I see her uh, pop up here and there and it's kind of a shame that uh, she didn't get Any kind of mainstream success, but I guess, you know, she's not not the kind of actress that really blows up in that sense, but she's
1: beloved by people like us. Linnea Quigley is great. I've always really been a fan of her work. I think she always brings her a game whatever project she shows up in whether she's just going to be in a movie briefly like something like Silent Night Deadly Night or when she's like a major character in something like Return of the Living Dead Slimeball Babes in the Bollorama Sorority it's Babes in
0: the Slimeball Bollorama
1: Sorority Babes in the Slimeball Bollorama or uh Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers or or films like this she's always a lot of fun she always brings a lot of charisma to a project seemingly very fearless she's very just as as Cecil said seems like a very sweet very cool person and in interviews of that I've seen of hers, and just the way she interacts with her fans and stuff like that, she just seems like a really cool person. She is she's a great actor, in my opinion. At least uh, at least charismatic, and always brings something very very cool to whatever project she's in. I've I've always been a fan.
0: Well, then the other one, another one of the big three would be Brink Stevens. When it comes to Brink Stevens, she has probably the longest career, even though Linnea started before her. Because Brink was a model before she was anything else, she has, Fred brought it up, so many uncredited roles that you you just look at, she's, you know, jogging girl, uncredited, schoolgirl, uncredited, student fan, uncredited, Dream, dream girl, uncredited, girlfriend, uncredited, nude woman in shower, uncredited, things like that. When it comes to Brink Stevens, before she had a career, she had a career as uncredited boobies in movies. First, what she calls her first real movie was Slumber Party Massacre in 1982 because of the fact that that's the first movie where she actually got dialogue. So she considers that her first movie even though she was in other movies before that. And technically, she's in a 1972 movie that she shot in 1983. So... The Orson Welles movie Necromancy, in 1983 they re-released the movie with added nude scenes during an orgy. And this was newly shot footage and they re-released it as The Witching. And Brink Stevens is one of the nude women in the 1983 reissue of the Orson Welles movie Wit The Witching slash Necromancy. So she's technically in a 1972 movie, even though that was 10 years before she started her career, if that makes any sense. When it comes to Brink, she never had a problem taking her clothes off and anything. It makes you wonder a what if when it comes to Brink, because... She's also a genius. She is a member of Mensa, she has multiple degrees, and before she went into acting, she has multiple degrees in marine biology, and she was studying dolphin communication. She just found she could make more money taking her clothes off in movies. What does that say about academia, huh? Well,
2: <laughs> what does it say about academia? Well, I mean, I, I can't speak on academia and Bree stevens I mean, I know the story because I, I got to meet her at a convention, and I had a Uh, an interest in aquatic ecosystems. And I actually thought I was going to go into marine biology when I was younger for a period. So when I met her, I got to talk to her about that. And she basically had moved to California in order to pursue still being a scientist, but there was no work. So there's nothing really to say on that end of it. It's just amazing when you think, you look at her and you think, like most, she must be a bubblehead. All she can do is take her clothes off. It's not even remotely true, which explains why she was a bit more business savvy, I think, than the other three. If Linnea's claim is that she had the the larger, let's say, exposure and titles and some slightly more mainstream stuff, I think Brink might be arguably one of the smartest and sharpest she's always marketed her career you know at least i won't say correctly but she's marketed in a way that the others probably weren't even thinking of um she even like had
0: a comic book for crying out Brink of destruction Uh, i have those issues
2: yeah and so she's she's obviously a sharp lady it's it's funny because She's kind of, of the three. She's my personal favorite. I, I really like bring Stevens. I think she can actually act. Of course, it depends on the project. And I think that's for any actor, or actress. You, you don't give good you don't give good lines. You can't act good. A little more interesting as an actress uh, than the other two personally i even thought she should have been spider in slime ballorama but I, you know i know that's gonna uh, stir the pot to be sure with some people i don't know what else to say on it i can say that the first time i noticed her was actually in a very weird way because i had no idea who she was much like linnea and she is in a scene in the movie body double it's it's just a moment and she stood out and that I believe it's in the bathroom when he uh when Craig Watson walks walks into the uh the bathroom during the relax, Frankie goes to Hollywood sequence. And she just kind of pops. She's got those beautiful eyes. I mean, she almost looks like a living living embodiment of Vampirella. Uh, she used to
0: actually she, play Vampirella at Comic Cons, so that makes sense.
1: Yeah, there's uh there's pictures of her in the costume. Yeah, she, it, she it,
0: used to go to Comic Cons as Vampirella, so that's a that's a good uh good comparison. I didn't
2: know that. Yeah, she really has that that look, and the fact that she kind of ended up in horror, I, I don't want to say it's like an obvious thing, but it it seems like she's more suited, and her career surprises me because, sadly, I don't think she really has that one movie that defines her and her career, and that's what's a little heartbreaking, is mm. I always feel like, She should have had better. She should have had more. I mean, she's got some amazing stuff out there, but she could have had more and she should have had more. And that's what I think of with Brink. And after just speaking with her, she's a very sharp savvy lady and she's still beautiful for her age i mean she's older yes but she's still quite beautiful so that's unfortunately the only thing i can really bring up for bring very smart sharp obviously beautiful and i think talented lady i just don't think she ever got that one defining role
3: yeah, I kind of agree. She's always been enjoyable in whatever she's been in, but she never had that breakout role. She never had that role where you're like, oh, I saw that movie. Did you see Brink Stevens? Oh, she was just awesome in that. Like, she never had that one amazing big film that is the one that she's tied to. I do think it's funny, it, like, not funny, haha funny, but it's funny that she went for marine biology and ended up in these movies because it is sad in a way that you do have scientists that work really hard and they spend all these years getting degrees and then they get a job that really doesn't pay all that much. So you've got somebody like that. The world that we live in because if you see some of these people, you're talking to somebody who is like super hyper intelligent, has all these degrees and is making like not that much money and then you go to Comic Con and you see see an actress who's got a line around the block waiting to get interview, you know, uh, waiting to get autographs, and they're stupid. And they make so much money because that's the industry. Hollywood just, uh, you either make an obscene amount of money or you make uh, a lot more than you would in just a regular job. It's, it's kind of just bizarre the way that that works. So I don't blame her for recognizing, hey, I'm pretty damn good looking. If I take my clothes off, I could pay off my mortgage. You know what? <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I'll I'll throw a testicle out there if it'll save me $100,000. Know? <laughs>
0: nobody wants but nobody, that. We, we Nobody you wants to not that. do that.
3: That's what I was just going to say. Believe me, my wife doesn't want that. So nobody wants that, you know. But if you want to pay me to keep my, no. You have, they have that opportunity. They're in their 20s or whatever. They make a, a decent amount of money. They get a name for themselves. Eh, why not?
1: I think what's the the unfortunate thing with Brink-Stevens is it seems like she was more more or less – well, more – uh, more so, usually the co-star. She, I, I don't think she's really had many starring roles. She ends up in a lot of these movies. Like she's in, she's in Bolarama. She's she shows up as a victim. I think in Slumber Party Massacre, and she's quite good. Like she's a good actress. She looks great on screen. She's she's a beautiful woman. But it does seem. I, I think the reason why she isn't as as known as a scream queen or just in general to to people of like. The horror community and stuff is because she does usually kind of play second banana she's usually in there as a co-star and personally i've i've always felt like she she deserved a lot more i i think she's she's really great there is the third one of the trio
0: here which would be michelle bauer no she's the uh, I, I, she's a little more she's a little more skittish her her career she was also a model, so she has lots of those uncredited, you know, third party guests and stuff like that. And she also showed her boobs a whole lot. She did a lot of hardcore porn before she became a scream queen. She was either Pia Snow or Pia Sands in about 20 different hardcore movies. She says she considers her first, in and she does the finger quotes, real movie is The Tomb with Fred Olin Ray. And I just I count that because, I'm sorry, Cafe Flesh, Night Dreams, things like that, those are real movies. Later years, she's come to kind of accept that, but I think she was ashamed of her hardcore career prior to this. She never had... Kind of like with Brink, she never had the giant scream queen career. She was in, you know, Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers and Cyclone and things like that. She never had that one big breakout role that Linnea would have. It's sort of weird, she would be, if you would rank this, the three mains, it would go Linnea, Brink, Michelle. And that's not me insulting Michelle Bauer, I think she's a fine actress, actually. She just never seemed to get that big breakout role again Most people probably know her from either Café Flesh or Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers. And I love Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers, so I'm not discounting that movie at all. That movie is fun as hell. And that's another one where Linnea technically gets to play the hero. I mean, at the end, she's sort of... It's sort of weird, but Linnea and her are in that, and that's a great one.
2: Well, this is going to be—it's—it's it's interesting how you chose to word that because she is the one I know the least about overall. When we were talk when I brought up Linnea, I can't believe I forgot to bring up Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers because that movie will forever be in my head for one scene—the
0: chainsaw that, fight course, with Gunnar Hansen is
2: the well, okay, two scenes—the <laughs> dance <laughs> of the double-bladed chainsaw, that stupid moment. That silly little, with with the, uh, what's the guy's composer, Michael, for forgot his name, Perilson or something. But that that cheap, sleazy, dun, 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 dun. and she's just taking two chainsaws and just going, but like barely moving them. I laughed for like five minutes straight. Watching that sequence, it was just so ridiculous. You got this almost uh, satanic temple and, the you know, gunners in the monk, like the, the monk robe. And he's like, and now the dance of the double chainsaw. It just made me crack up. But the reason I bring up Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers is it wasn't until years and years later, I told people about this crazy movie I saw I couldn't find for a while and then found it and showed some friends. And it was on reviewing this film that I discovered this actress, Michelle Bauer oh, and she was in this other film that I'd seen. Oh, and she was in that other film. And she seems to be that shrinking violet. To face in the crowd? Yeah, that I just didn't, I'm, I, I'm sad to say, I just didn't notice at the time. And it's not like, well, my goodness, is she beautiful. It, it's not that. Times when she was younger, like a Kim Cattrall almost look about her. But she just didn't stand out in any way at the time but if you watch her in those films her acting is actually generally pretty good uh i would say solid even so it's interesting that she just never
1: popped somebody that ended up as more of a co-star that doesn't didn't really rein in the kind of fandom that women like linnea quigley or even like barbara crampton did like i would consider like to me the the big ones would be crampton would be linnea quigley but michelle bauer you know deserves deserves her place in that though she is very talented as you guys have been saying she is a very good actress and she has shown up in a lot of the the high profile kind of exploitation like horror movies, like she was in Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers. She showed up in movies like Demon Warp, things like that. I, I do think it's it's unfortunate that she obviously seems very uh a little bit ashamed of her like prior hardcore career, though unfortunately that, that is what that was the case with actors and actresses in the eighties and the seventies that did porn before and then tried to transition into movies because at that time or even even still to this day, it's still something that's very frowned upon by a lot of people, either people that are puritanicals or people in the industry or, or people that, you know, basically judge others for that kind of stuff. But I've I've always thought she was very good and I, I felt like she deserved uh more sort of starring roles and more higher profile profile roles like the likes of uh Linnea quigley and barbara crampton did because i i do think that michelle bauer was always always very good she's very good at what she did i like michelle bauer i always thought uh she
3: was very pretty and uh just had that like amazing 80s hair I laughed when I hadn't watched Puppet Master three in a long time. And I watched it again about a year ago, I think, when I was redo when I was doing the video on it. And I had forgotten that she was in it. She's only in a very small part. She plays like German prostitute and essentially just shows up to have sex with uh, one of the evil soldier generals. But she's she's fun. She's great, you know, popped up in a whole bunch of movies. Scream Queen, Hot Tub Party, uh Terminal Force, Doctor Alien. And I I I like her. She's another one who has had a very 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 long career has been in over 150 movies but never really had that breakout role never had that big oh my god this is a Michelle Bauer movie she's always just kind of been an entertaining support character or a co-star uh, and even in the movies where she was more of the lead something like M- Nightmare Sisters they weren't really that big of a movie to begin with and it never really was a big deal I mean Nightmare uh, Sisters I think they filmed that in like a week five
0: days something like that yeah something (laughs) like that yeah it's it's such a bizarre film This really was kind of an 80s thing, the whole Scream Queen era, because what happened was a lot of these movies were direct-to-video, and they coincided with the rise of the video store and how VCRs became just an institution in people's homes. You know, a VCR became just like a blender or a toaster oven. It was just something every home had. And since a lot of this stuff wasn't theatrical, these were not shot on 35 in a lot of cases, the video store, especially the mom-and-pop video store, just... Just completely cleaned up with these movies. Three things happened all at the same time around the early 1990s that destroyed what we think of as the Scream Queen era. And that was, one... The entire market was changing. The major studios had noticed the video market, and so they started to get in into that. So the budgets on these things on the Scream Queen movies kept getting lower and lower. Their audience kept getting smaller and smaller. Then you had Blockbuster coming in, destroying all of the mom and pop stores that would stock these kinds of movies. And then when Blockbuster did that, they didn't stock movies like Nightmare Sisters. They didn't stock sorority babes in the danceathon of death. They weren't stocking this, so it became harder to get these things. The inevitable thing the girls started to get aged out. They could no longer play the teenager or the college student, but they were also too young to play the mom or the grandmother in these movies, so a lot of the girls sort of aged out into that weird, we just can't do the Scream Queen thing anymore, because n- not that they, you know, grew ugly or anything like that, they were just too old for these roles anymore. And then you had a second wave come in with, like, Debbie Rashawn and Tiffany Shepis, Melissa Moore, Elizabeth Katane, people like that and it just it wasn't the same thing anymore in a way just something had gotten lost
2: this is where i think the story starts to not just become sad but maybe reveal the sadness of this from its start once you hit a certain age especially for women the roles begin to dry up even the exploitive ones or maybe even especially the exploitive ones and I'd mentioned to you, I uh, in preparation, I watched some documentaries that I'm sure you'll be recommending at some point during this uh, show. And in watching them, a-, a melancholy and a sadness, if you really listen to what many of these women are talking about, how, you know, the roles were limited to begin with and the ones you could get generally always had nudity like even with a female director on slumber party massacre she said hey if you can't do nudity that's what's expected in this role we can't use you that was something that was prevalent and you know it's it's a shame uh even as a guy i know beautiful women beautiful bodies but it's a shame that that's what it always came to but obviously in the a-list movies there's only so much and then there's so many beautiful people in hollywood i think denise duff said she considers herself a very attractive woman but in hollywood she's average you're dealing with the spillover and these are the films that you end up this is the spillover these type of movies and once you hit like between 30 35 you know depending on certain things it dries up it goes away it didn't help that blockbuster dried up and went away at this exact same time too this all sort of died a, a very quick death and uh, these actresses didn't really have much to do or go, uh, the convention scene began to kind of rise up a little bit around this time period. From um, I remember, I went to a lot of conventions between 1990 and 2000, and they were generally always at them. <laughs> you know, they were generally always at them. And Lou Ferrigno, that's how they survived for the longest time period. Was just on this bit of notoriety they had from the 80s into the early 90s. It's sad that, I don't know, sometimes one person can break through and they can get into that more A-list or find a TV show that they can latch onto, but none of them did. Uh, Michelle Bauer got out of the business entirely, and Brink and Linnea just stuck around and took whatever they could. And it's sad that uh, you hear a lot of sad stories from the next generation, especially of Scream Queens. Uh, Debbie Rishon, you know, said she'd be dead if she didn't end up in the film business because that's where her life was so the type of film she even made was more of a desperation move than oh I'm going to be an actress someday it's a lot of sadness and it's you know I'm not saying we have to focus on it but it's probably something not to forget
3: specifically think that it was uh, died in the 80s but I think it did kind of drop off a little bit because in the 90s things changed a bit but we still had Debbie Ruchon and uh, Melissa Moore if she would have lived a little little bit longer uh Kat Sassoon but she well, she was more of an action but I don't know I can for some reason I feel like she would have been a scream queen I uh, would have liked to have seen her in some horror films I think that it's not so much that it died off it just kind of went in a different direction because horror went meta there because of scream and when a lot of people think 90s horror, they think Scream, they think I know what you did last summer. They think the they kind of missed the point of that. It wasn't lampooning horror so to speak as more of showing hey here's a lot of the tropes that we did and we're kind of kind of turned that on its ear scream wasn't even the first one that did that there was um uh there's nothing out there which was the one that really broke the fourth wall and is a terrific movie that you should go see if you haven't seen it we've talked about it a few times on here uh i think it just kind of changed because the industry changed and there wasn't as many scream queens and now almost a parody of itself you've got shows like scream queens and it's just uh It was the Scream Queens
0: reality show a few years ago. Yeah, the
3: Scream Queens reality show, which was just hot garbage. And I think they kind of are missing the whole point of what the... I don't want to say movement, but what the thing was. So I think it's something that's still around but uh, it slowly started traipsing off. Like, 80s, it was a big thing. 90s, it dropped off, and then it slowly kind of lumbered along. And now, like everything else, it's kind of being regurgitated as a, a pop culture reference.
1: I do, however, I don't think it necessarily died off in the 80s. I do think it definitely started tapering off in the 90s. I do think they were trying to build new Scream Queens, you know, with the likes of Jennifer Love Hewitt, with the likes of Nev Campbell, you know, with I know what you did last summer and with Scream and, and stuff like that. But it's just not it, it doesn't seem like it was a trope that really took off later on. And I, I never understood why, like like maybe people thought it was like like a misogynistic thing or whatever, like that that women should be more than than just Scream Queens or whatever. Which, which, yeah, of course, like you you should have like better roles for for anybody that's like qualified to do it. But I I do think that a lot of people made a lot of very disparaging remarks about the Scream Queen and what it was and a, a very much a misunderstanding of how, how important it is and, and how like career building roles like that can be and how strong a lot of these characters were. Like, like a Scream Queen, as, as we touched on earlier in the episode. Is is a character a, a lot a lot of the time oftentimes that is the hero at the at the end of the movie is is somebody who vanquishes yeah. the villain eventually it's a very important character and I I do I definitely do miss it I feel like it it's something that added a lot to a lot of these uh, a lot of the eighties horror films and eighties slasher films you know we're we're moving into a different generation now it was a very different time in the 80s as far as the terminology goes i'm sure there are still movies being made with these kind of characters like and obviously we you know we still have barbara crampton doing her thing i think she she recently just showed up in the latest uh, puppet master movie so she's still doing her thing it, it's something that i think regardless of whether it's really going on much in recent movies i think it's something that will always be iconic and always synonymous with the horror genre as a whole.
0: I just want to add one of my favorite anecdotes about a Scream Queen type movie about one of these type of movies is the fact that Slave Girls from Beyond Infinity in 1992 was actually debated on, the, on Congress's floor, because Jesse Helms, hardcore right-wing Republican, stumbled upon Slave Girls from Beyond Infinity one night on pay cable, and was so offended at the movie, and Brink-Steven's scene specifically, he brought her up, that he wanted to use Slave Girls from Beyond Infinity as an excuse to block, quote, indecent programming that customers have to okay. The, 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 he basically wanted all programming like this is blocked, and you have to say you specifically want the smut. (laughs) So I think that's hilarious that Congress debated on the floor in 1992 Slave Girls from Beyond Infinity and Bring Stevens. To me, that's freaking fantastic but so basically as Fred pointed out there's lots of documentaries on these things on the the Scream Queen era there is Screaming in High Heels Invasion of the Scream Queens Something to Scream About the Shocked Cinema video series and there's also books like I've read Linnea Quigley's I'm Screaming as Fast as I Can I've got the Invasion of the Scream Queens book I have not been able to find a copy yet although god do I love the title of this of Jewel Shepard's book If I'm So Famous How Come No One heard of me. I still want to find that one, but that title is fantastic. I think people should look at the Scream Queen era for what it was. And not what pop culture has kind of made it into, which is strange to me. I think pop culture, just like they always do when they when they nostalgia-exploitate nostalgia something, they screwed it up. I think when, you know, we lived through the Scream Queen era. We were buying Femme Fatale's magazine and Cinema Fantastique and Fangoria and reading the magazines and watching the videos as they came out. Now you go back and look at it and it's sort of that snide, red-letter media <laughs> look at these things and I think that's what pop culture has done to Scream Queens and it pisses me off.
2: I believe these women should be celebrated and not derided that they have achieved something. You know, we can all learn something from them and uh we have, I believe. Uh and young actresses can learn from them and maybe avoid the mistakes, embrace the successes and you know move forward. So I'd like to see more of that in regards to Scream Queens personally.
0: Where can we find Frederick? Of, uh, you know, lounging around, uh, singing a song. Nothing right now. Well, where can we find Cecil T robot?
3: Uh, Goodbadflix.com, as well as goodbadflicks on YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, Facebook, and 1201beyond.com.
0: And the Peter up in Canada can be found where?
1: Twitter at Zinematica on YouTube, the Cinematicist, of course on 1201beyond.com, the find programming, on Patreon at Zinematica, and now on Twitch the real cinemasticist and you can find me at 1201beyond.com
0: contact this show at 1201beyond at gmail.com guys try to be a cut above keep one foot in the gutter one fist in the gold have a good night
3: hey! you love me for another guy